Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Owl Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Jacob Camilleri. Today, Grand Second Counselor Christian Miele is here with me to talk about how our founders were involved in the United States military. Thanks for being here, Christian. Hey Jacob, thanks again for having me on. Yeah, absolutely, man. It's a pleasure. So, you know, uh, being, uh, you know, kind of a military background uh, fraternity, um, you know, can you kind of share some of the insights into the military background of uh, Signal Pi's founders and our early members? and how their experiences as military cadets uh, influenced the early principles of the fraternity all the way back in 1897. Yeah, absolutely. Our, uh, yeah, the roots of the fraternity are indeed, uh, yeah, there's that conspicuous sort of military tie and connection from, from the very beginning. So obviously, you know, our listeners on this podcast who are Sigma Pi brothers know that the fraternity was founded at Vincennes University in 1897. Vincennes, of course, is a, uh, a small town, a rather small town in southwest Indiana. And at the time of the founding, um, actually, let's say about six years before the founding, it was roughly 1891, I believe, when military instruction actually became a part of the curriculum if you were a Vincennes University student. And so the requirement then, if you were a, a, an uh, able-bodied male student, was that you actually had to serve uh, in the cadet company uh, for uh, as part of your curriculum, really. So um, that's why you'll sometimes hear our founders and earliest members referred to as cadets because the male students, you know, those who were able-bodied, again, they uh, had to serve um, in this military department of, uh, of the academic institution. So, um, you know, as part of the research uh, we're undertaking in preparation for the release of Volume 1 of the history book uh, of Sigma Pi, it's, you know, it's now believed that there were as many as 19 original members of the fraternity, if you include, um, you know, the Vincennes University English professor, Clarence Stevens, who of course was made an honorary member based on his influence uh, over the founders and helping them, you know, establish the organization. Um, and in terms of, you know, original members, what I mean by that is not the founders, of course, there are only four founders, but um, it was long believed that there were just 10 original members or, you know, AKA those who joined in the winter and spring terms of 1897 uh, but, you know, through, you know, our research and uh, finding newspaper accounts and other um, uh, source material, we've determined that, um, you know, of the 18 original student members, obviously, you know, not including the, the professor who was number 19, um, 17 of those 18 original members, you know, um, appear in the academic catalog um, for 1897 as members of the university's cadet company. And so interestingly, every single officer of that cadet company uh, of students at Vincennes University in 1897 were in fact, every single one was in fact a member of Tau Phi Delta. And so the fraternity has from its very earliest days had those strong military ties and all of the leaders. I mean, every single, interestingly, if you look at all the cadets at the university, every single one above the rank of private was in fact a member of Tau Phi Delta. So all of the leaders uh, were, were fraternity members. Uh, of course, you know, the following spring, uh, you know, 1898, that's when we had the outbreak of the Spanish-American War. And consequently, the members of the VU Cadet Company would then volunteer their services as, as a unit and would be mustered into service as Company L of the 159th Indiana Volunteer Infantry. And so, um, 
of the people that volunteered, three members of the fraternity were, were among them. So obviously founder William Raper Kennedy uh, was a member of a company, L, uh, Maurice Bayard, one of our first two initiates, and then Lee Purcell. Um, they would all join this effort. Uh, Purcell was actually appointed as second lieutenant. So he was the highest ranking member of the entire company, which had over 100 men. Uh, with founder Kennedy, he you know serving as quartermaster sergeant, and Maurice Baird, uh, he was just serving as a regular sergeant. Uh, but interestingly, we found that you know Purcell's sister uh, uh, coincidentally ended up marrying uh, founder George Martin Patterson, uh, and then William Raper Kennedy, of course, would go on to have this really prolific military career, uh, retiring ultimately at the rank of lieutenant colonel not long before his death. So, in terms of the founders and the early members. Um, again, they were very active in military service and uh, and actually, as very young men, went off to fight a war, even though they ultimately wouldn't see combat in the 1898 uh, Spanish-American uh, Spanish War conflict. Uh, they nonetheless signed up to serve their country. So that's a really interesting part of our history. Yeah, awesome stuff there, Christian. Now, you, you kind of touched on it a little bit already, but can you tell us about the roles of Sigma Pi men in uh, Americans' foreign wars and you know how that impacted uh, the, their chapters back home? Absolutely. So, yeah, there was a, a major impact uh, many times, on, you know, based on, on on the war situations we found ourselves in as a country. There was a significant impact on both chapters and on the fraternity at large. And so, as, as I mentioned, you know, Sigma Pi men played a very conspicuous role in, in every military conflict uh, since the Spanish-American War. Uh, in fact, the first convocation ever postponed was the one scheduled to be held in 1918. And because World War One broke out, they they postponed that convocation and this, so they had a combined convocation in 1920. Um, though the first world war, which spanned, uh, 1914 to 1918 didn't necessarily have a disastrous impact on the fraternity, uh, compared to the second world war college enrollments were certainly greatly reduced by the first world war. And that led, uh, the grand sage at the time, um, a brother by the name of William acres to take emergency measures to safeguard the future of Sigma Pi. And, you know, active chapters at the time operated on more or less a skeleton basis. And, um, you know, interestingly, new and Xi chapters received their charters in the spring of 1918. But unfortunately, Kappa chapter had to surrender its charter voluntarily the previous fall, as literally all but three of its members had entered the military and naval services of the United States. And so, um, you know, World War One definitely had an impact, not as great an impact as the Second World War. But, you know, we did uh, find in our research that a brother from Gamma Chapter, his name was Thomas uh, Barrett. He was an aviator. Um, he was the first Ohio state man uh, to lay down his life and make the ultimate sacrifice in World War I. Um, and so, you know, that was something that, you know, we hadn't really known, but then it turns out that he's actually, you know, they actually memorialized him and, and other Sigma Pies who passed away um, in, you know, as a part of their military service in the Emerald. Um, uh, of course, you know, moving on to World War II, after, you know, the U.S. declared war in, in December of 1941 after Pearl Harbor, um, that quickly brought about another sharp decline in membership. And that caused uh, our Grand Council, which was then known as the Executive Council, to make provisions for closing chapters who were depleted of members, also to safeguard the assets of the fraternity. Uh, Omega Chapter uh, out west was the first to have its roster uh, depleted altogether and to assume uh, war dormant status, it was a special status that Harold Jacobson, who was the Sigma Pi executive secretary at the time, sort of created for chapters who, you know, we weren't closing them or revoking their charters necessarily, but they, you know, their men, their, their members were off fighting the war. So 
So Omega chapter goes dormant, and by 1943-44, during that academic year, half of all Sigma Pi chapters would be dormant um, uh, due to the war. And then in total, 16 chapters were either totally or partially dormant during part or most of World War II. Um, however, you know, when the war came to an end, uh, by the fall of 1945, after you know, Japan surrenders and a lot of the veterans returned to the respective campuses, the chapters were uh, quickly reorganized. And, you know, ever since, you know, Sigma Pi men have continued to serve on the front lines. And, you know, I had mentioned Thomas Barrett, who was the first Ohio State student to pass away uh, during World War One. Something similar happened, unfortunately, um, in, in 2003, when a U.S. Marine and brother of our Epsilon Gamma chapter at Illinois Wesleyan, uh, Ryan Beaupre, um, he passed away and was one of the first casualties of Operation Iraqi Freedom in March of 03. And so, you know, there's this theme of, you know, brothers who are, you know, sort of the first ones in and uh, oftentimes they had to make the ultimate sacrifice. But, um, you know, we've done a lot over the years to recognize these men for their service, um, you know, to God and man as part of as, as our creed suggests. And uh, certainly we're very proud of all the, the brothers and alumni who have served our country. Yeah, Christian, I couldn't agree more. And, you know, very important to, you know, highlight these men and, uh, you know, the sacrifice that they uh, put on, on themselves and, you know, uh, you know, this country. So um, really, really great to, to hear some of these stories and hear how our men continue to impact uh, us on the local level, national level, and in our military. Absolutely. You know, what are some specific values that you say or lessons uh, from the military service uh, that you believe the founders and early members of Sigma Pi uh, instilled in the fraternity's early culture? And how have these values continued to shape the organization uh, over the years? Yeah, I, that's a great question, Jacob. I, you know, in sort of reading the correspondence, uh, we have a lot of correspondence from William Raper Kennedy, one of our founders, who was um, really sort of who we consider the leader, the first leader of Tau Phi Delta. Um, he was the first, you know, president, what they called the Royal High Mogul at the time. And, uh, you know, we, we have a lot of his correspondence uh, to his parents when he actually went to the Philippines for, for the next uh, um, military conflict that he would find himself in. And, um, you know, the, the values that these guys talked about and just the, their, their character and the way they live their life, um, the, the values that sort of leap off the page are those of honor and loyalty, discipline and service. And when you think about it, honor, loyalty, discipline, service, these are all values that are embodied in our creed and in the ritual of Sigma Pi. Uh, we talk about service to God and man. We talk about loyalty to the fraternity. Um, you know, in things like the fireside song and, and honor is, you know, obviously a value that's, uh, you know, very prominent in our ritual and, and loyalty to one another. Um, but it, obviously them having a military background, they were, they were highly disciplined. And that also speaks to their focus on scholarship and their academic success. You know, when you think about 1897 Tau Phi Delta, they were as much a literary society as they were, you know, a fraternity. So they were kind of a hybrid of, of, of both organizations at first. And so they were really highly focused on, um, you know, uh, broadening their horizons and they were focused on seeking and pursuing knowledge and, uh, that discipline from the military really kind of grounded them in that. And so they were so just focused on, you know, becoming sort of rena the Renaissance men of their time. And so they kind of did it all right. They spoke many languages. They were able to, you know, uh, understand the Greek classics and, uh, and they took Latin and they served in the military and they, they were just sort of, uh, for, for guys who were as young as, you know, 17, 18 years old, they were, they were pretty worldly and cultured. Um, but yeah, those are some of the values, Jacob, that I think definitely, 
Um, you can kind of sense when you read their their letters and correspondence and when you think about um, their kind of dedication to their country as well as their alma mater. And Christian, you know that Sigma Pi, you know, we always try to honor our veterans. Um, so can you kind of talk about some of the ways that Sigma Pi has honored and supported veterans and members with military service backgrounds throughout our history? Oh, absolutely. So, I mean, you know, starting with um, the early editors of the Emerald uh, on up to Chris Carter, um, our VP of communications, who you know, basically has been serving as editor-in-chief of the Emerald, um, we'd have to ask him. I think he's approaching one day, hopefully he'll get the record for uh, most issues under his editorship. But um, in the pages of the Emerald, we've, we've always done a really good job of um, of highlighting the, the service of our military veterans. Um, many times you'll have like Ryan Beaupre, who I mentioned earlier, our late brother from Epsilon Gamma. Um, he was featured on the cover of the Emerald um, after he passed away in the Iraqi freedom conflict. And, um, you know, they would uh, actually, Byron R. Lewis, our um, Grand Herald Emeritus, Honorary Grand Sage, uh, who was, you know, the one of the early fraternity historians for Sigma Pi, put together a full military history with a chapter on each, you know, chapter of Sigma Pi and, and made a list of all the members of those chapters who were serving in the military as a way to um, let everybody know who was just how many Sigma Pi's were serving in World War One in particular. Um, and then, of course, in more recent times, um, there was a, a wholly led uh, alumni effort um, to raise money to erect a Sigma Pi Veterans Memorial uh, monument, um, which was uh, on the grounds, which is still on the grounds of the Mitchell House, where uh, our previous headquarters was located. And so um, that was done through a the Veterans Committee. And so um, that was one very visible and sort of outward uh, way to honor our veterans uh, who have served. And then kind of last question here for you, Christian. Are there any notable Sigma Pi alumni uh, who have made significant contributions to the military or veterans causes? Yeah, I'm, absolutely. I mean, there's, um, you know, one that immediately comes to mind is Major General James Livingston of our Alpha Delta chapter at Auburn. I believe he was a two-star general in the United States Marines, and he actually won the Medal of Honor. Um, and so um, that is such a rare um, uh, award of distinction for a service member to receive. Uh, usually it requires some extraordinary you know, uh, valor uh, or some sort of really brave or courageous act uh, during a combat situation where uh, they uh, are nominated and then actually awarded that by the President of the United States. And so um, James Livingston definitely comes to mind. And then I mentioned the um, Sigma Pi Veterans Committee that was headed up for a long time by uh, Mark Reed of Alpha Chapter. Um, both of these men uh, are uh, Founders Award recipients. And so, you know, obviously uh, they and then other, you know, uh, Sigma Pi veterans over the years uh, for their military service have been sort of recognized with various Sigma Pi awards and accolades. But, um, but yeah, it, you know, when you think about just how few um Medal of Honor recipients there are for for us to have one is pretty special. Yeah, I cannot agree more, man. That is that's actually really really cool to to hear. And uh, you know, maybe there's a few listeners out there who didn't know that. Um, so now there's a new a new nugget for them to to learn about uh, their organization. Absolutely. That'll wrap up this episode. Thank you for joining us on the All Talk podcast, and thank you, Christian, for your historical insight and our fraternity. For everyone listening, make sure you hit subscribe and please leave a rating and review on your favorite podcast platform. And as always, I believe. I believe.